Welcome to Jubilations, a Judaic podcast intended to educate, inspire, and motivate your hungry Jewish mind. Each week, Jubilations dives into the minds of influential Jewish people, speaking powerful words of wisdom. So what would you like to know? Perfect. Good, okay, good. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So I uh, looked you up a little bit on the internet and mm. learned some things about you, but not very much. Okay. So we're going to get more about you. Okay, dear. Or you're going to teach me more about you. Okay. Okay. So is it um, Cavacow? Is it? See, there is no W in the Russian language. So my children changed from the W to a V. Really? To make it more authentically Russian. My kids like, went through this phase where they wanted to be the real McCoy. So my real, last name is Kvaznik. Kvaznik. K-V-A-S-N-I-K. So... But I think I was always, well, V, you're saying, was Russian, yeah. which it is, like kvaz. Do you know what kvaz is, the drink? Kvaz? Yeah, yeah I've drunk <laughs> Have you? I've experienced it. <laughs> okay, good, good. So I have Dr. Bernard Kabaka with me today, right. and he has traveled unwillingly to Minnesota to um, hang out at the Shalom home for a little while. <laughs> In St. Paul. Um, I, he is a retired oncologist. Right. Right? And were you born in New York? I was born on East 68th Street, and I grew up on East 97th Street, where I spent uh, up to the time when I was 18 that I went off uh, to the Navy, and then I went to finish college in New York, I went to college by subway, if you're interested, and then I went to uh, Harvard Graduate School and then to University of Vermont Medical School. So, and then I came back to New York, where I um, married and uh, we had uh, six children, and uh, we lived uh, in various parts of Manhattan with uh, summer places in Westchester County and uh, Long Island. And uh, my kids uh, are uh, all, uh, have all left uh, the home. I hope so. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, three of them live in Israel. One lives in uh, St. Paul, and another lives in... Um, Cleveland, and uh, and uh, my youngest lives in Ithaca, where she's very active in the local community. Do you guys ever have a chance to all get together? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, weddings, bar mitzvahs, and funerals. Okay. <laughs> Better the good things. Better the mitzvahs than the not. So, I, you know, so I, I travel a lot. I live out of a suitcase, you know, and... Uh, try to give the children equal time, but um, 
I speak to each of them at least once a week, and uh, I keep up with them, and they're very much interested in my welfare. Uh, is that, uh, you agree? Okay. <laughs> Bernie, how old are you? I'm approaching 90. I'll be 90 in two months in May. And when did you retire from oncology? When did I retire? Oh, um, more than uh, about tw uh, 12 or so. No, more than that, about 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So why did you pick oncology? Well, actually, I... Uh, I uh, encountered a great man uh, who was sort of, a, the people he trained were uh, inspired by him, and he was a great oncologist, and uh, I had uh, my I had a year's uh, fellowship with him, and uh, I decided to go into that uh, field. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away, but... Uh, he inspired a great deal of a great number of uh, young physicians, and uh, I was one of them, luckily. And uh, I, and I sort of grew into the field when, for example, uh, when I uh, had my fellowship in 1957 to 58, there were only about six drugs for cancer patients. And now there's uh, over 250, so it's uh, a field which has uh, which has grown, and uh, the doctors have grown with it. And uh, we've, we've learned a great deal uh, um, from meetings from other oncologists, and uh, and there are more and more young uh, doctors going into the field, which is very uh, which I'm very happy with. Was there a certain area in oncology that you specialized in that you knew more um, about? Well, um, uh, specialized at that point we didn't specialize. We there were uh, so many diseases that we were treating, and not all of them uh, satisfactorily. But uh, we concentrated on, for example, uh, breast cancer, lung cancer. Lymphomas; those were the major uh, illnesses uh, which required treatment, and we sort of grew up uh, with the field, with uh, trying various drugs and drug combinations. Some of them was uh, were very uh, satisfactory. For example, advanced Hodgkin's disease, uh, which had a uh, uh, a lifespan in the when it spread uh, of six to eight months, and now we can uh, virtually cure a great number of these patients or at least keep them active and living. And, uh, and, there, and we've uh, worked with uh, breast surgeons, for example, the, and the best treatment for various types of breast cancer. And we've worked with a hematologist on the treatment of lymphomas and leukemias. So it's been a joint effort, uh, and we pool our resources and have uh, a national meeting in Chicago uh, once a year where they come from all over and newer treatments are introduced. And uh, 
we learned a great deal. And uh, the field itself is uh, always growing and uh, always something that we can uh, bring back with us uh, to treatment, the uh, treatment of the patients. We've also learned to combine chemotherapy with uh, drug treatment of cancer with uh, with radiation, and uh, we've worked together. There are two illnesses, which uh, at least I I visit I I followed uh, over the years, so uh, which uh, were terrible uh, illnesses, cancers, which. Uh, uh, where the lifespan was less than one year. One was advanced Hodgkin's disease that we can uh, really, with com combined chemotherapy, we can cure in a large percentage of patients. By cure, I mean living free of disease for five or more years. The same thing with uh, testicular uh, cancer, which was in the, in the when it spread, was uh, a terrible illness. It was the uh, largest number of uh, ca cancers in males between the ages of 25 and 35 in terms of mortality. And now uh, with new drugs, we've been able to prolong life in a satisfactory man manner and uh, uh, virtually cure these patients, which is... Uh, really that gives us a satisfaction for keeping on in a field which uh, when I started uh, 55 or more years ago was uh, a very uh, sad uh, thing, sad experience for uh, doctors and patients and their families. So we, it's been encouraging and uh, because there are newer things and we can give a much better prognosis and uh, this is uh, the cure rate is going up and the remission rate short of a cure is also being lengthened so that's uh, pretty much what I can tell you about the field you have you were you got to do your job during a time when there was so much change and so many wonderful things that have happened in the oncology world. And out of all of that, can you remember what your favorite part about doing this has been? Well, the fact that uh, someone comes in with an illness which uh, a year or five years ago was fatal, and now you can say to them that you've got a 50, 60, 70 percent chance of living five years or more. And uh, we uh, usually put in the remark that, you know, you're more likely to be killed by a, uh, an automobile than by your illness, which in some cases is true. So we try to give an encouraging, an encouraging prognosis where uh, this exists. Unfortunately, in many cases, it doesn't exist, but you do your base, best to keep a patient living and uh, enjoying whatever life he has. So it's a matter of uh, communication between the 
patient and the doctor and the patient's family and the doctor. Can you tell us what your favorite case was with a patient that maybe someone you thought was going to do very poorly and did this, they had a miracle? Well, I think uh, I can tell you a young man with uh, testicular cancer, which was a fatal disease up till uh, a great oncologist from the University of Indiana put the right drugs together. And the very fact that I could, uh, we could treat him. And then uh, because it's a common cancer, the most common cancer in males, 25 to 35, we can tell them that you can, uh, you can live, you can be uh, free of cancer in, after your treatment, and we can bank your sperm so that you can uh, have children. So this is... Uh, Pretty incredible. Yes. Uh, this did not exist uh, when I started uh, over 50 years ago, and it's... Uh, I think uh, I remember very, uh, very well um, a patient who was a uh, uh, who came from the West Coast to be with his children in New York. He was a a Jewish shipbuilder and uh, on the West Coast. And if you can imagine uh, how tough you have to be to be a Jewish ship. Builder where there are no Jewish shipbuilders. That's I've and never heard of that. I remember uh, so well how this very strong man was a crying baby before he died. I mean it, that impression. This is fifty or more years ago, uh, and now if a patient like this came to me, I can say you have an eighty percent chance of living five years or more. You know. Nice. And which is uh, really a miracle. Yeah, it and is. That's what. Uh, that's why young people are now more going into the field of oncology because they've uh, got something to offer the patient, and they're they're trying to even prolong the ones that they can't help. My office was in the Greenwich Village area, and. Uh, uh, no, no, I've had uh, I've had a few very famous change patients. That's but, cool. Uh, That's yeah. fun, right? Fun for you. Did you um, you had a sabbatical year that you did in Israel? I didn't visit. I worked in Israel. Yes, I visited my children, which was a side. <laughs> a side. <laughs> when did you do? When did you do that year in oh, Israel? It was something like uh, thirty years ago. 25, 30 years ago, and uh, uh, I spent the year working in the uh, one of the largest hospitals in Israel, and also as a uh, side uh, job, I was a consultant in the Arab hospital in Nablus, and I, one of the visits I took um, my daughter with me, my wife was with me. Also, and I learned something about uh, treating Arab patients. And uh, the doctor, we, I worked with a doctor, a social worker, and a nurse, and they were wonderful, wonderful people, spoke English very well, and were very much interested in the welfare of the patients. We 
I think I examined 15 patients uh, in, on the same gurney. Uh, the, they didn't change the sheets. It was, uh, but they were very much interested in the patients. For example, uh, in the Arab patients, the woman who had a lump in her breast would hide it from the husband, uh, and uh, they just left it untreated, never saw a doctor, uh, didn't sh somehow disguise it from the husband until it was too late, and uh, it was a terrible thing to see. Uh, but they were... Uh, this was in the Arab hospital, and uh, uh, the other hospital in uh, Nablus Shem was uh, controlled by the Jordanians. This is at the time when uh, uh, the city was divided in two, and the Jordanians treated the, uh, uh, the uh, Arab health people in the town of Nablus very poorly. They looked down on them, so they much preferred uh, having getting help from the Jewish uh, uh, Jewish uh, uh, Jewish sources. Right? Okay. So, so I think that before you uh, leave here, Minnesota, I think you need to write a book called "Stuck in Minnesota at the Shalom Home." <laughs> Bernie, thank you so much for joining me today on Jubilations. Uh, no, I mean, uh, I'm off the mic, right? Sure, okay. you're off the mic. No, I say Thanks for listening to Jubilations. May you go from strength to strength.